All right, welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Today, we have officially the third Phil that's ever been on the podcast. That's not including myself. So we have Phil Pokeri. I did that right, I'm assuming. Uh, nope. Okay, on the show. And so first of all, welcome. And officially the, the third Phil um, in IT that has been on Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. So well, Very nice. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so th- third must mean something. That what we're going to find out right now. Why don't we just start with, before we get into this really cool thing that you do called logistics, but, and of course, logistics is a big deal right now. I'm assuming that you've experienced a teeny bit of growth maybe during the last two years. Is that a uh, safe yeah, assumption well, or been busier? I would say we do more transportation than logistics. I mean, each, each of our sites, you know, we have a warehouse mm-hmm. warehouse up. But yeah, we've we've definitely seen some growth. And uh, even during the pandemic, while kind of was full blown, you know, they, you know, everybody was kind of thinking everything was just going to kind of crash or slow down. But yeah. uh, actually, did pretty well because of how hot transportation was. Exactly. Uh, transportation was exempt. Yep. So, you know, the as long as we were able to keep drivers and which that's always always keep, an issue that mm. we've been pretty good in that aspect. But um yeah, trucks kept running and uh, kept moving. Do you have your CDL? I actually do have my CDL. Yes, that's, I that's do. That's pretty cool. So yeah. yeah. So there these right, are we can get into that a little later. But, uh, yeah, I, I do have it. These are and all. I still have my. Uh, I'm, I still have my insurance card as well. So if if they need me to go, you know, run a load somewhere, I I can do it. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Well, I. One of the themes that comes up on the show a lot is how do you know you're in the right place? How do you know you're working at the right company while being in IT? How do you? A find the right company to work at while being in IT. So you're probably going to have to say yes when I ask you this question. But are you in the right yeah. company? Are you happy to be where you're uh, at? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yes, I am happy to be where I am. And in this aspect, um, I didn't find them; they actually found me. So uh, kind of weird the way everything kind of works out. Uh huh. But um, yeah, no, I'm 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 happy to be where I'm at. It just seems to all fit well. I mean, you had your CDL. You're working at a logistics slash transportation company, um, so that yep. obviously matches up. How'd you get into IT? If you, there must be a story there. Then you know, what was your first computer? Oh, with with yeah, like how'd that happen? Uh, I don't, uh, well, put it this way: my father was. Uh, I got in because it was a family business. My father's always had his own business, uh, on and off, uh-huh. uh, but he started with uh, COBOL programming. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a little bit before my time. But my earliest, uh, the earliest that I can remember in IIT would be going to his office. Lived in South Florida. He had an office. And uh, I don't know if you remember, you know, key punch cards and... Um, we talk about it. Running, we, yeah, yeah. So We certainly talk we, about running paper through machines with holes in it. And if you don't have all yeah, the cards yeah. stacked up like, correctly then exactly. you've really screwed up something and, and then we laugh about how people complain about you know the internet being slow now or oh, I know. a, a program it's, it's, running slow or it took me five minutes to test this piece of software or something like that you know it's it's so different i mean it's all the same but it was so different back then and you know he had the ibm machines and he had you know a whole office full of uh Back then, they were known as key punch girls, um, mm. and Ooh. they were just you know hammering stuff out. And key punch uh, girls. so I remember, you know, I'd go there. He put me on a machine. I didn't really do nothing but mm-hmm. create a whole bunch of cards. Mm. Uh, but you know, he'd stack them up. They'd run through, see where the issues were, and and so the, that that's I the mean, chauvinism. Back to, the chauvinism of key punch girls back yeah, in nineteen. 19- yeah. 80. It was in the 70s. 70s. Yeah. 90. You know what I mean? That's um, amazing yeah, that, was- that it wasn't that long ago. Does it ever scare you how much we don't really realize 
what has happened over the last 10 years, let's see, it's 2022, so 2012, even maybe 20 years, if you think about how much has happened in just 20 years, it's quite, how has that affected the human psyche? I don't know. There's got to be some psychologist or, um, yeah. I don't know, uh, existential Well, it's just different. Philosopher. I mean, you know, kind of growing up, I, I kind of grew up with computers. And I always felt very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, they never really scared me or anything. But um, I always <laughs> wanted to get into more of the, the technical side. I was I never really had any kind of interest in coding and, you know, mm-hmm. any kind of classes I took. It mm-hmm. kind of just didn't, uh, just didn't work for me. It, you know, it, it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. But the infrastructure side, it just was, was very easy. Fun. Yeah, but in terms of changing, I, I remember in, you know, once they kind of cracked the, you know, the IBM, they reverse engineered and they started coming out with all the compatibles. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, you know, from the XT, 286, 386, 486, and Pentiums, it was just, mm. it was nonstop at that point. It was just like, at what point do we kind of, so everything becomes stable and it just, it just keeps growling, you know, so. It was fun. It I is amazing. I have a lot of fond memories. It's not as exciting now. There's no, like you said, like the Pentium chip came out. Like that was exciting. There was like a CD-ROM yeah. and then there was, I can write to my CD-ROM. That was, right. Right. you know, yeah. a big deal. That that was exciting and fun. When they come out with the I, iPhone 13 now, it, it's just not that exciting. Maybe the yeah, iPhone just, was exciting. You're but, waiting uh, for what's next, right? Because uh, we all had our our pagers, then we had cell phones and <laughs> yes. we were able to text on our cell phones. And then, but the iPhone was completely different. So it's like, kind of what's that, what's that next thing that's going to come out? I'm thinking Elon Musk know. is going to come up with like mental telepathy or something. Well, he is working on that chip, right? That neuron chip. Yeah. There, there's got to be yeah. some sort of, you know, I can yeah. communicate without a phone maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I liked the Blackberry. That was fun. Bez, the Bez server. Did you ever have to manage the Bez server? Uh, the server, yes. I never had a BlackBerry, though. Never wanted a BlackBerry. I was uh, <laughs> lucky enough not to have that. <laughs> the, uh, how, so, there is something to be said about the difference between software engineers and infrastructure guys. I find infrastructure guys to be happier. That's just a blatant utter blatant, um, how do we say, uh, stereotype. I'm, I am pigeonholing and stereotyping people, but I find the data center guys to be very, very happy. And the, the infrastructure guys seem to be high energy guys. Maybe that's because they're not stuck in a room, a dark room coding all day. That's again, a stereotype. Yeah, that, that could be. Um, I don't know. I've, I've, I've been around IT a long time. I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of angry uh, infrastructure guys as well. So, okay, so um, let's let's bang that one out. What makes IT guys angry? Uh, end users. <laughs> I have to put. Yeah. I'm supposed to have a new. People have been criticizing my show a little bit, so they feel you know you got to add in a new. You have to add in a new section, and uh, there's some up for there's there's some things up for vote here. So, I think that one is nice. What makes IT guys angry and users? Okay, give yeah, me something. That, that is a good one. What was the most angriest time you can remember being made angry by an end user? Well, I, I typically, I've kind of got beyond that. I mean, <laughs> once I got into management a long time ago, I kind of, kind of outgrew it. Um, had some really great mentors along the way and kind of take a different approach. But I mean, there's just, uh, just in support and infrastructure, it, it could be anything, you know, somebody's mail not coming through and it's in their junk mailbox. Mm. You know, it's just, it just kind of, kind of be anything. Impatience. So, and, we, so we could, yeah. we could label impatient, impatient and users, unruly, yeah. Yeah. unruly, impatient and users. But a lot of it is, you know, what my philosophy is, um, and kind of what I do with my teams is, it's for me, it's all about communication, mm. right? Communication is half the battle to support. Mm. As long as people know you're working on their problem, 
and mm. you're there and you, you know, express some empathy. Yes. It goes a long way. That yes. buys you time. That buys you, you know, the ability to kind of look deeper. And then at the same time, you're getting them on your side where you end up having a, a much more positive outcome. And that goes without saying in the vendor world as well, where lots of oh, yeah, absolutely. where lots of mediocrity exists. If we could just communicate, for example, your internet circuit is being delayed because we do not have the right of way through the city, town, construction, permit, whatever yet. But we're going to get it supposedly on Tuesday. That would be nice to know that my internet circuit is actually going to get installed at some point. Or that we're doing a site survey and that has come back as this. So we need to trench from here to here. Communication, just one example from a vendor. And I only pick on ISPs yep. because their ISPs are known for mediocrity. Oh, yeah. I, a few. I agree with that one. There's, <laughs> there's a few. The, uh, people have heard me coin this term 1-800-GO-POUND-SAND a lot. So just, just call 1-800-GO-POUND-SAND and you'll get yeah. your answer. The... You've mentioned mentor, and what's interesting, when I talk with a lot of IT professionals, IT directors, CTOs, CIOs, many of them don't have mentors or did not have mentors. I don't know if that's because they were nerds growing up and they were their own mentors and kind of figured everything out on their own, but you said you've had some great mentors were they technology mentors or were they more business leadership mentors? Uh, I would say more on the business side. Um, and why? But it, why it, were it they a great within, mentor? Like what was the big aha moment for you? Or, or what did they, what question did they ask you? What did they do? Kind of uh, Phoenix Project. Have you, have you read the Phoenix Project or listened to it? No, I have not. You should audio. There's there's like this like uh, you know like a crone thing like f- like figure or um uh, in in the book you know that like asked these like you know kind of whatever you know guided questions you know and the the IT guys like I don't get it and he walks away. If you don't get it, then you're not ready. You know something like right. that. You know. So what was um why was this mentor so? Give me an example. Okay, so when I first started in management, I was, you know, I was a kind of a systems engineer, mm-hmm. and I, I wanted to kind of move kind of beyond that, uh, it, for different reasons. I, I thought that was like my only way up. Um, so one of the sales people we had for the company, I, he'd literally come on site every, you know, every week. We'd have a conversation. He was, you know, he worked for our company, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he. You know, I helped him because I was increasing the sales and, and everything. Mm. But he helped me in, you know, how to kind of put forward new ideas, how really to communicate more with kind of the senior management at the companies that I was on site for, you know. This may be the with. best. This may be one this may be one of the biggest turning points in the history of the show. And two oh, fills are on good. at the same time. Because yeah, so- Quite um, often, sales and yeah. and IT don't mix. Usually, the sales guy's like, "My computer's broken. Replace it." And really, what right. he got frustrated and threw it out the window. And that that wasn't me back in the day, by the way. And I was like, "I need a new laptop right away." Um, who is IT, anyways? So, what dig in? I want to dig in a little bit on that relationship. Mm-hmm. He was showing up every day, and you were helping him sell uh, every what? Week. He would come by every week. And what were you helping him sell? This is another example of where IT is not a cost center. So another huge theme of the show. IT is a cost center. It's a line item on the budget. You know, you guys are expendable. You guys don't make money for the company. That's not true. Right. So I worked for a company. uh, We were, uh, one time they were called bars. It was, you know, like managed services. So yeah, I yeah. ran a group of At one time, on-site. like they're not alive yeah. anymore. Yeah. Well, they familiar. are, but... Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I ran a, a group of engineers on site. We handled all the desktop server and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we kind of got there. There was a change of management. They wanted to kind of go through our contract again. We ended up winning again. 
Um, and then we, we started kind of doing our work there. But a lot of what I saw us doing was things that we should be able to change to automate or become more efficient. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I started to put different things in place and I had one of my guys was actually was very good with coding. So we started creating some of our own tools to use. Uh, we were able to get things done a lot quicker. So um, the view of our group within this other company kind of became like a really bright spot for them as well as for me, because as we would bring more things in, um, they would be, because we had become so efficient, they would start to come to me and we'd get other projects. Mm. So the four customers guess, like that they were selling to like, a, yeah, I mean, it got to be so good and we became so profitable. Mm-hmm. You know, we had like the CEO of our company came in for mm-hmm. a meeting you know, the whole, mm-hmm. you know, I ended up winning an award, a service award because I'm in charge of service mm-hmm. at the sales conference, which mm-hmm. had never happened before. Um, so I was more than happy to go out to Palm Springs to get that. That was that was something nice, but that, but it was because of uh, this the sales guy that you know we would we would talk about different things. He would say, you know, tell me how do you think you're going to present this, or you know, what do you think you're going to do? Um, kind of we'd go through that. Um, you know, when we would do quarterly business reviews, that became my. Um, my responsibility. So, you know, getting me prepared was usually like a one or two day where I'd, I'd go down to a company headquarters. We, you know, I'd kind of lay everything out. We'd go through it, mm-hmm. but it wasn't geared to be all technical. Right. It was more, how can we help the business? What are the goals that the company wants to achieve? And then how can we, you know, kind of align the services that we were providing to support those goals? So I love that. It. I love it. Yeah, so that really that's where that we forget. changed me a lot. Yeah, that's where I think a lot um and and this is like if we could highlight anything on the show, this is where we bridge the gap between the I mean the typical everyday IT nerd speak that you might have with your general team to translation into how are we driving the mission, vision, purpose of the business and, and helping them make money? So how is IT? So tell me, when you go to present and this a sales guy helped you um, translate this stuff, i.e. sell to executive management, sell to the executive roundtable, get you a seat at the executive roundtable, get you an award at the, at the sales conference, which is amazing. Right. What were the points what, how do you, is there like a top five or a top three? Like, well, first of all, we break it down into easy bite-sized numbers for the CFO. Uh, number two, we, we do a return on investment. Number three, we show how we've become more efficient and cut back on labor and, and produce more widgets or blah, 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 whatever it is. Is there like a, is there like a formula or a special recipe that's pretty easy for you? Like I bang it out in five, five PowerPoint slides and this is what we do. No, it it really isn't. It was it was kind of all geared towards whatever customer I'm working for, um, and and really what they're looking for. I mean, I've worked at some places, and with the job that I went to, you know, after that one, it I was supporting a number of clients, and they were all community-sized banks. Mm-hmm. So there, it became very different. Um, so I don't I didn't have anything set. I mean. You know, there'd always be a little bit of kind of what we did, you know, how we supported them. But I, I spent a lot of time on, okay, this is this, you know, not so much a, and what we did as what we're going to do and what they need us to do. So you always have to cover kind of what you did, mm. but I didn't want to always make it. I didn't want to get so granular on that because it's, that's kind of was the day to day and it's and like engineering happen. It's like where we can get right. lost in the engineering mindset, tunnel right. vision. Um, the and blind in design. a lot of these meetings, there's, I mean, there's such little tolerance for that. Yeah. Um, you know, you might have one, one or two people that are interested in that. Why do you think that not is? Not everybody is. Why do you think that is? Because they expect you to do your job and they just show me the money. Yeah, it, it's it's what we do. 
You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, you better keep the lights on. Yeah, my email better work. Yeah, I expect you to have a whatever what CSAT score of this and that. Right. That's right. all. Yeah, good. What? So what are the numbers? Just give them to me. Okay, now what are you going to do for us and how are we going to grow the business? Exactly. Yeah, keep it simple, stupid with the with the the goal of the business in mind, which is the goal of every business is to make uh, money. You yeah. just and, know your audience. That's that's a big thing. Mm. Know who your audience is. Know what they're they're looking for. And mm-hmm. and after one meeting with them, you you know that right away. So you know just based on the questions they're asking you. Then we're going to take a break here. We're going to try this next portion of the show because I've been told to break up the show and we need to do um, a a special moment in the show called, and I've just thought this one up the other day, which is things we did prior to the internet. (laughs) So as a child, because you've been around long enough and I'm assuming based on, did you use punch cards yourself? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you're maybe a few years older than me, but did you ever have to use punch cards? No, I did not. Okay, good. Neither no. did I. My first, my first computer was uh, an XT. Oh, um, so you're like eight oh eight six, eight oh eight. Are you late thirties then? Are you late thirties, early forties? Uh, oh no, I'm um just about mid fifties. Okay, okay. I graduated in nineteen eighty five. That's when the first IBM PC came out. Okay, right? I, I graduated in ninety five. So my first, com- yes. my first computer was Texas Instruments, like cartridge. Uh, Bill Cosby at Texas Instruments. The yep. okay. So prior to the but, internet, uh, yeah. So this uh, is fun for all the know, people out there listening that may have always had internet. What did you do as a child prior to the internet to have fun? Uh, I rode a bike. <laughs> I don't know. I, we uh, know. drank out of the fire. Ho- we drank out of the, the hose in the backyard. Yeah, yeah. Um, all the stuff you see on the internet now. Yeah, we, know, we blew things up with uh, firecrackers. Yeah, um, exactly. Let's see. Exactly. What else did I do? You know, we, you know, I don't know. Shot BB guns. And um, I'm just trying to think of what else I did as a child prior to the internet. Played sports, put together teams. Yeah, we- I mean, that's really what it was. We were, we were outside doing things. You had friends. We were always playing whatever sports, depending on what the kind yeah. of the weather was. And, yeah. you know, if it snowed, we'd go out, try to earn a few bucks, shoveling driveways. And yeah. Ping pong. Cutting grass in the, in the summer and, you know, just yeah. newspaper routes, whatever. Newspaper routes, um, right? We read the newspaper. There was no internet. <laughs> there was right. no internet. It's shocking to me when I go back and I think about it. The first uh, video game that I can remember, well, first of all, I remember Pong. We had Pong. Yep. And then I remember like my brother's friends, they had an Atari. And when I saw that, I was like, this is like amazing. Yeah, that I was great. This was like, I just, I was so jealous. I was like, why do my parents not have this? Um, yeah, you had to put, you know, the antenna up on the TV and stuff. If cable was in your town, that was a rarity. We never had cable until that wasn't even like a decade ago. I don't think we even had cable. It was always dish or something, but we didn't have that. Remember those people had those huge satellite dishes that were like, oh yeah, like a giant one. I don't know, six foot parabolic dish in your backyard. That was like just a monstrosity. People had that. That was, I still wonder how they made that work or what you paid for that thing. So um, we rode bikes. That wasn't as exciting maybe as I thought it was. Maybe it was the, oh, rope swings, rope swings. I took my yep. son by, uh, my, my kids by the rope swing that was off this old uh, railroad bridge hidden in the woods. Uh, we came out with a bunch of ticks on ourselves, but this rope swing went, oh, off yeah. an old, uh, went off an old railroad bridge into a water with snapping turtles. And there was always old stories mm. of like so-and-so got the, <laughs> got the end of his foot bit off by a snapping turtle and someone hit an invisible stick underground. But, you know, that was, um, that was what we did prior to the internet. So yeah. that finishes. It did go whitewater rafting a couple of times. That was pretty cool. Yeah, we can still do that. Enjoy that. It's, yeah. a, it's yeah. amazing when, um, yeah, if you just get outside, I wonder how that. So again, that was it's it's a different place now, and it all happened so fast. Like it did ridiculously I mean, our, fast. You know, my kids grow up, and and they kind of just it, it is what it is. It's just normal to them. But um, we, you know, we tried to keep them as as much as much as possible involved in things mm-hmm. outside kind of outside the house, whether it's my daughters with dance mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sons and daughters with karate and baseball, softball, whatever. Nice. They were always, yeah, they were always involved outside the house. And, 
I just started a jujitsu devices and stuff. I just started a jujitsu Brazilian jujitsu studio in my barn out back. The um, so we've got we've got my sons involved in that, so that's cool. The uh, the most extremist thing I ever did was take the TV out of the house. But now I realize it didn't wow. really, it really didn't make much of a difference at all because they still have laptops and phones. Yeah, so it's like yeah, to them, they didn't even care about the TV anyway. So like who watches cable? <laughs> like So it was like well, back in the day, it was yeah. like just preventing them from watching DVD. What it was, was like, don't just turn the TV on to like quiet the kids down. Like, you know, spend time with your kids, yep. like educate them. Don't, don't just like, you know, throw them in front of a, a, a glass window. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was one thing me and my wife, we did a lot. We so, didn't just put the TV on to keep everyone quiet. So we've been without a TV for like 10 years now. And uh, now it's just normal. Um, so I, have to, I just go, it's an excuse to go over to my father's house to watch like, you know, like the fight or <laughs> basketball game or something like that. Yeah. So, okay. That concludes what we did prior to the internet. Um, let's, I, I do want to talk a little bit about what you guys do as a transportation company that's really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Because when I was on your website, I saw that you guys move, you have like a whole IT portion of your company, but your company is a trucking company. So I'm assuming, do you guys do the typical trucking stuff? Like, do you have a bid board? Like truckers call in and they they bid on like loads and stuff like that. And then like win loads and you have like maybe like a, like a, like a dispatch section that dis, do you guys do that? A- yeah, we have a dispatch, but we're not really, we don't really uh, bid jobs out. Okay. Um, so we have, uh, I'm not sure exactly, I think six or seven divisions mm-hmm. within transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, and each one of them is run pretty much as their own business um, because they are different. Um, we, you know, we like, we have one, or we actually have two auto divisions. Uh, so, did you ever see the Meekum car auctions on TV? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we do a lot of the transportation, you know, when cars are bought and sold, we, mm. we have special car carriers. They're not, right. you know, we driving down the road, you see nine cars on the back of a car carrier or nine vehicles, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not those. These are all. Yours is like the Rolls Royce. Yours is like, I'm delivering a Corniche convertible yeah. to somewhere. It, and it's in a like, you know, vacuum sealed truck, like with padding around it or something. But yeah, not, not exactly. Really. I mean, yeah. there's, there's some, you know, at any particular time I can walk into the warehouse that's attached to our, our main office and walk out there. Mm-hmm. And there's two, mm. you know, Old world Royces. I mean, there's half a million cars just sitting there. Uh, See, you have a cool job. Yeah, this is a cool job. Yeah, so there's, we do that. We do a lot of the high end car companies, we deliver for those. uh, A lot of private autos, we do those. Um, You know, then you have the whole snowbirds, right? They're, Mm -hmm. they're, you know, when they fly down, they want their car. so oh, kind of handle that. I feel like we could, uh, but we do is something as traditional as household moving. That's a big part of our business. Mm. So we're an agent for um, United. You see United going down. Yep. Um, but we do a lot of business, um, and with some of that, you know, part of it's through the government. You know, we work with different moving you know, parts. People. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're moving families around and, you know, this is a, for, you know, this time of the year that yeah. that business is really busy. Well, COVID was, um, must've been crazy with that. Now yeah. we, we do cater to IT directors from mid market to enterprise level, um, believe it or not mm-hmm. on the show. And um, many of them or have probably contemplated or do contemplate or are in the midst of, or do migrate data centers. Right. What, why, and I would think once someone's in a data center, a lot of these data center providers think like we got them, like they're not moving because why would you move? And it's just, you know, you got to move all these racks and we've got, I don't know, 2000 RUs or something. Who knows? Like no one's going to move that. It's just like you're stuck. Why would someone move a data center? There's some major companies that are moving more than one data center. Mm-hmm. And they'll move them out of one facility and they'll 
move them to another. I don't Maybe know. Maybe consolidation, move seven data centers into two. It could two be consolidation. Like it could be okay. cost. It could be, uh-huh. you know, they want to diversify locations. Geo redundancy. Um, right. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of different reasons, but uh-huh. I mean, we have a, we have one business that's focused entirely on just moving data centers. So we have, you know, specialized, um, employees we have trucks that are outfitted to be able to move equipment like that mm-hmm. um you know team of people goes on site if if you need everything you know they can kind of deconstruct it all hmm. you know if and put it back together you know where every single wire needs to go you know every single so can you guys take them everything. from step a from like hey we're thinking of moving our data center can you guys no problem. We'll bring in the um, network engineers. We'll help you map it out. We'll do an, an initial needs assessment. We'll talk about unplugging everything, how you move. From, will you take everything. it full soup to nuts? Yeah. Cradle to the grave, everything. as they say? Exactly. That's really cool. So for everyone out there listening, I'm giving your company a free plug. Um, however, we want to. And maybe we can get you another sales award. Everyone contact Phil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter which Phil. If you contact me or you contact the other Phil, you're going to get out, any Phil that you talk to on this show will we'll get you to the right Phil. That's the. It's true. Um, so, so have you been involved in any of those moves uh, technically or? Like what's what's the biggest? No. Okay, okay. No, I mean for me, I I handle the kind of company day to day operations. How yeah, many guys do you have underneath you? How many um? How many like how big is the IT staff? My God, this I have three people. It is the smallest group I've ever had in my life. <laughs> well, I mean the company itself. We we're a company of four hundred people, okay. so it's not you know. And you should get one you more. Three hundred of them are computer users. Okay, so um, you know we have. A lot of drivers and stuff like that. So, uh-huh. um, it, you know, we we're right size for the company. Cool. Um, I found that the in mid market IT space. So that would be two hundred employees upwards of I don't know. I probably cut off at five thousand maybe. That the average end user to IT staff ratio is one to a hundred. That's yeah. That's about right. So you're three to 400. So, you know, we could probably get you an extra guy in there somehow. Um, but still, it's one to t- 125. Not that, that's pretty much it. And that's the but, whole point of the show is that you guys every day, it's when you really think about it, what the IT guys do every day to keep the company running is quite amazing. That there's three of you keeping 400 people able to, in the entire company, kind of like up on stilts, right? Right. Because there's nothing in the company that gets done better without IT involved. And there's nothing that, there's nothing that can get done if it all shut off and didn't work. It would be quite right. a disaster. So right. part of the mission of this show is to say, hey, maybe we could give IT a little bit like maybe a couple more points on, on the budget at the end of the year. Maybe we'll give them like, you know, I don't know, 10% versus 3% and it wouldn't make, it would make all the difference in yeah, the world. But see, uh, I don't know. I, I, I love the financial aspect of, of IT. I love working with the budget mm-hmm. and I, that's something I'm actually just this year. I, I've only been with my current company about a year and a half, mm-hmm. but uh, just this year I'm, I'm taking over that piece of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, I mean, what people always say is, how can I save my company money? Um, you know, that, that's a piece of it. But it's, How can you make you know, the company that, money? Yeah, how can I make, how can I keep the company safe mm. from, <laughs> right? Right. Um, you know, there's always ways to save money, but that's not, that, saving money is not the focal point of IT. Well, I think I mean, that was keeping, the point though. I think that was the point is that even if I saved you 50% of your entire budget, right? If Even if you came in and you saved them 50% and you cut the budget in half, it's not that big of a difference at the end of the day when you think about how much IT affects the bottom line. So right. that's that's kind of the point is that even if you do save some, okay, good, we're not waiting. Your job is not to waste money for sure, right? Oh, good, we're not wasting money, but 
it's really not about saving money. It's about being more efficient, like you said, safer, right. able to do more with less, uh, aiding our end users to do their job better, faster, more. You know, uh, if anything, uh, able to do more with less employee headcount uh, in a certain area, so we can reinvest that headcount into making more money. And headcounts a very unhumanistic term. I don't know why I use that. I think it's because we should never call our people. It's like counts. human capital, right? Yes, human capital. I can't say employee that. number. Human employee yeah. number three hundred three. No, uh, end user, <laughs> end user node yeah, end on user. the node on the <laughs> network. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The um, this node is not functioning properly. No, I, um, I just think if I think you can, I think IT in every place I was at, if you made a good business case for the dollars you need. I've always been able to get it. That's never been a never been an issue for me. Mm. Um, Great, because if you know, it's you need to put it in terms that whoever is going to be approving that can understand. And um, what's the biggest upgrade you've ever had to sell, or silo you've had to eliminate? And you know, I guess it's like two different questions. What's the biggest upgrade you've ever had to sell? Yeah. Um. This was a few years ago. The biggest one we did was we were moving. We had an on-site Avaya phone system. Mm. Um, kind of outgrew it. It was, right it up was my too alley. small. Yeah. And we, was it IP we office? And, Avaya IP office or something like that? I don't even, I don't even okay. know. Telephony. Whatever really it was, thing, it, was a, it was a PBX box in the back room. Yeah, yeah. And there was two of them, yep. one in each site. It just was undersized and mm. it was costing a lot. I needed people yep. to take care of it. It was, whole, yep. it was just a nightmare. And, and, you know, it was just like, really, I got to take care of this. We had a phone vendor. But, uh, <laughs> they had to roll a right. truck. And the, 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 the yeah, paper. So on I, the, yeah, gotcha. You know, we had a um, company I was with was really big into Gartner. So Ring I Central? To, Where'd you go? Ring Central? No, I went to, it was a company back then. It was called Thinking Phones. It was oh, a Fuse. Solution. Fuse. Fuse. They're Fuse now. Yeah. Um, yeah, and at the time we were there, their biggest customer, but uh, yeah, we had. I, I always know, said phones. Thousand think. phones. Oh. A uh-huh. hundred use, a hundred locations. Yeah. Um, and we went and we did that, and the you know, the company I was I was with, they were family owned, and I basically told them, you know, they said, well, "Why should we spend them? You know, why should we do this?" I said, "Well, it's going to cost you a hundred thousand dollars because we need new phones, mm-hmm. right?" And they said. Okay, well, how much is going to save us? I said, half million dollars a year in each of your pockets. Wow. And I, there were three brothers, and they said, um, "How soon is this, how soon can you get this done?" Yeah, like, I, you know, don't you and, love that? It, it, at the same point, I'll tell you, it was really, really odd because this was kind of the biggest project that I was pulling from an IT perspective into this company. How did you and save money? How did you save the money? What was the R? Where? How do you do that ROI calculation? Because if you went from an I Avaya system, you probably had like a handful of PRIs that weren't costing we had you that much, and, that, and that's what it was. I mean, this was it, we were all going um, over our, our data lines, so mm. so okay. all the connections were going internal over our, our lines instead of mm-hmm. everything was going out. I mean, yep. we we had just to just to try to understand and dig up every stinking phone line we had in every location. Yep. And, you know, we had to keep the ones that were, you know, the burglar alarm, fire alarm. Yep, yep, yep. And those, it was, it was a, it was a giant project, but it was, um, it was also, I, at that company, I be, started to become bigger than the CIO. Mm. And um, and the CIO started having issues with me uh, that he couldn't pinpoint. Tell me mean? exactly why. You're making me look bad. <laughs> I I started the owners started requesting <laughs> that I would come to them with these <laughs> projects, and because I saved them so much money, I mm. moved. I got out of SunGuard, and we went to another data center. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I saved them. I don't know. It was about a hundred thousand dollars. They were very big on savings because they had so many locations. Mm-hmm. Transportation's a tough business when 
you know, cost of oil is going up. Like, and back then they weren't prepared for it. They didn't have the, the automatic surcharges in place. Mm -hmm. So they had to eat a lot of the cost of fuel. Mm. Um, Mm. So now it's a little different. Cost of fuel goes up. That's that is a problem. Mm. But there's surcharges that are built into all the contracts now to protect against that. So that would but, have been um, a fun. Um, that was a fun project management thing to upgrade from Fuse to. Um, of course, they gave you their in-house project managers and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but yeah. That, that, yeah, Fuse was great. I mean, yeah. when we met with them, I mean, uh, some of the best negotiation too. I like for me, I enjoy the vendor negotiation piece of it mm -hmm. um I, it's i really enjoy that part yeah it's it's fun uh awesome so that was actually a great example i did not expect you to come up with me being an ex-telecom guy um well still kind of i mean i still do a lot of telecom but that was kind of where i first got into technology was uh, a cisco startup where we were selling uh you know sip trunking and converting it into pris and that was like 20 years gotcha. ago um so seen a million of those avaya ip offices or phone system upgrades mitel shortels um certainly new um few slash thinking phones back then i used to laugh like you don't want your phones to think stop that you want dumb phones. No, I know. I think that's you don't want why, phones I thinking. Think the second phones, you know, that's why they. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know they if they changed their name. So. Yeah. But they were they were a great company. I mean that you know you mentioned about working with vendors, mm -hmm. um, and they were I mean they were like they were like a startup. I mean it was you know we went on site with them a couple mm -hmm. times and yep. um, it, it was just a great feeling you know mm -hmm. everyone was kind of pulling in the same direction and it was. It was nice. Awesome. And, it, it, you know, I, I try to, any vendor I work with, I try to keep a good relationship. But there's there's only been a handful that have been really, really, you know, everybody wants to be your partner. And I always say you're a vendor until you, you know, you kind of earn your way to be a partner. But mm -hmm. there's only been a few that have been real true mm -hmm. partners. Mm -hmm. You know. Oh, that's just back to the ISPs and uh, back to the mediocrity in the space and the 80-20 right. rule, right? 20% out of the 80% are actually above mediocre. And then there's the 5% at the top that actually, 5 to the 1% at the top that actually do what they say they're going to do and, and follow up and communicate well. Yeah. And yeah. Um, first of all, uh, you know, voice and data and is in the top five worst industries giving them worst customer service across the board. And, and that was according to Forbes. So, um, ISPs, let's see what was, yeah. ISPs, cable companies, and cell phone providers are in like the top three. I think insurance is like fourth or something. Um, have you, so I guess the, this final question to, yep. to benefit the, the listeners out there. How, how would you say you get promoted? I just find it interesting because you said, you know, I started gaining the favor of the, you know, of executive management, maybe over the CIO, which actually has become a problem. And I've, I've seen that that's been a common theme where it's like some people say, you just got to go around them because sometimes people are there just to block you and they've been a butt in the seat yeah. for so long and they've been yeah. in the same position for 20 years and, and they're just happy showing up to work and punching and punching out type of thing. So from an IT perspective for people growing in IT, for the youngsters out there that were, have had the internet, the benefit of the internet their whole life and not the benefit of playing outside and riding a bike, what is your advice to getting promoted and growing in this space? Ask. Ask. Oh, can I get a raise? Can I get a raise? <laughs> you know, okay. I want the next position. Project. Um, can I take on a project? I mean, no one's ever come up to me and said, oh, Phil, you've done such a great job. You know, we want to promote you. That's never happened. That's never. a good point. It's always been me going after what I want, whether it's money, whether it was a bonus, um, you know, getting some compensation for, you know, the, hmm. you know, new business, hmm. uh, new position, things like that. That's a great I've, point. It's always, I've, it's, I've just asked for it. A lot of times. And, and they don't just say yes. I mean, you know, it comes back to a kind of business case, you know, it's, um, at, back to, to selling that again, with, that's with back dollars. to your sales guy where you can yeah. say, um, 
I would like to get promoted. I would like to take on the next biggest project. I would like blah, 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 whatever it is. You're asking, and then you say, what do I need to do uh, to get there? Yeah. And, and if so I do, then and then tie them down, and then tie them down. And if I do X, Y, and Z, you're going to give me that promotion? Right. So perfect example. When I left that one company I was telling you about, I went and I got a job. It was, the position was called a consulting manager. Mm-hmm. So small company, 100 people. Basically, I was in the Northeast region, so I was going to work out of the office there. Companies based out of Southern California. Northeast. Really, really. I'm, New Jersey I'm, or we're in Northeast? Yeah, New Jersey. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, kind of the armpit of the country. I well, I used to call, I'm from Worcester, Massachusetts, and I called Worcester the armpit of the Northeast. Okay, so you oh, call okay. New Jersey a step up. Oh, boy. Okay, I've lived here too many years. Tried to get out. Every time I try to get, get out, I get sucks you back in. back in. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But um, so, you know, they were, they did these like uh, quarterly meetings in California. Mm-hmm. So I go out there for the first one and, you know, there's all this conversation going on and they say, oh, they're making some changes. They need to, they need to talk to me separately on the night that everyone's supposed to go out. Mm. So I'm like, oh, well, this is great. I've been here, you know, a month and, you know, they're going to be uh, telling me why things changed, right? Mm-hmm. So they told me they're they're changing their structure and they were going to move to putting a uh, a director in place at each of the regions. There was four regions, mm-hmm. and they said they'd you know be looking at somebody for for my region. Now my the job that they hired me for was a little bit different. It was much, a little more technical than a director. And I said, listen, I said, well, why don't you guys hold off on finding someone? I said because I would love to fit into that role. Mm. Um, and they said, oh we could do that. Um, you know, and, and I, so they agreed to hold that open to see if I would kind of be able to move into that. So it was, it was much more, I mean, it was handling the entire, they wanted us to run this as a business. So it was more than just, you know, meeting with the banks and working through IT issues and all the banks that we supported and all that. It was literally running it. And, um, that's a and this good... is where my second mentor came in. Okay, go ahead. Please and, continue. Uh, I'll name him Michael Barrick because this guy was How do you spell amazing. his last name? B-A-R-R-A-C-K. Okay. He's CEO of a, a company. Um, not only him, the, the owner of the company, uh, younger guy, Romir Bosu, was his company. Mm-hmm. It was... Phenomenal what they did for me and having me run. Um, it was they taught me, they mentored me, mm-hmm. they got me thinking differently and forced me out of my comfort zone. Oh, and I, I just, you're speaking I my just, language in less than six months. I was promoted to the director of the Northeast. I won. The award there for my first year there because I increased, I had the top numbers in all four areas for the you know the entire company. It was just it's kind of I just broke out at that point. Everything was kind of working, but this is where I was dealing. You know, I I hear you on some of your other podcasts and you talk about you know the language of business. Mm-hmm. Well, they helped me understand the language of business especially since I was sitting in some board meetings with bankers, I had to understand it. Mm. And um, they really brought me through it. Is and this Michael Barrick? Is he the guy that's at, uh, is it Acum Partners now? Acum. Acum? Yeah. Acum Partners? Yeah. Okay, good. I got yeah. him. Uh, I found him. We will, we will follow, yeah, I mean, follow he, you. Yeah, I mean, he became a personal friend and uh, he just, he pushed me. And we had one-on-one meetings mm-hmm. every week. Mm-hmm. And it, it got to a point where I just learned so much mm. from him in the position, but also from Romir as being the business owner. Mm-hmm. Romir treated me like the Northeast was mine. Mm. Um, and, you know, whether it was presenting numbers, but I got very comfortable um, in, in communicating with all different levels. Um, I, I think one of the things themes that come out of here, and I've, for, I've forgotten this before, and it's a really, really great tip or strategy for growing in your career, 
is there is no rules. You don't have to follow a resume. You don't have to go um, to a recruiter. You don't have to do, there's no, there's no rules necessarily. You can offer yourself up for free and throw yourself out there, which is basically what you did. You said, I'm in this yeah. role right now. I'll do this other role for free for a month. And if I suck at it, you can f- hire the other guy. And if I'm, if I'm really, really good at it, then, you know, yeah, give me the raise and put me in charge. And they're like, okay, now join this inner circle and we'll get you out of your comfort zone and we'll really, really push you. And basically what they were looking for is that someone is a go-getter. They were looking for someone that wanted the role because that's what everyone wants. If you want someone on your team, you want someone that's, that's proactive, that's energetic, that's going to go do something without you having to ask them to do that. Yeah. And, And like I said, if I did not ask for that, I could have stayed in that position and just been a bump on the log. Yeah. And I would never would have gotten it. I don't think there would have been a time where they said, Oh, you know what, Phil, you've been here a while. You know, sometimes it just seems simple. Just ask for it. It's, it's, it's simple. Like you, you don't know what you don't know. Okay, fine. But I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to ask and I'm willing to drive and be up in your grill. You know, I had, um, one of my mentors, when I quit, I said, you know, what do I, I, I quit um, corporate America and I started a, a consulting business um, years ago. And I said, hey, what do I need to do? He said, you need to do one thing. Don't worry about your taxes. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. Don't, oh, you just need to sell, sell, sell. And I was like, what? Yeah. And he was like, he's like, just, you know, you need to be up in people's grill, like unforgettable. Like you are there all the time. And he didn't mean it in a bad way. He meant it in a good way. But right. when you're present and sometimes it's just about the person that's there present all the time, like pl- pleasantly persistent person that can talk with people and, and like people. Yeah. Um, yeah, you'll be successful. That's a great story. It's a great story. We're going to, we'll give a shout out to Michael Barrick. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll give him a link on the show. I'll reach out to him. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure, Phil, having you on the show, officially the third Phil. And you've absolutely uh, 100% lived up to the title of third Phil on dissecting popular third Phil. Yards. yes well not to you know i am also a third phil are you the My third the fourth phil i am the third i am the so, third uh, also i am also wow. philip howard the third and i don't usually tell people that because there's like a thing that's just i don't know something about being yeah, the third I, I guess I of course you know of course you know because you're also a third this this is amazing. This is like truly uh, <laughs> meant to be. Both Phil, both Phil the thirds on the third with the third Phil on, on the, the show. Third, yeah. Yes. Outstanding. Outstanding. Um, thank you so much. Uh, been an absolute pleasure. I and of course uh, uh, all the best in in the future and and future growth. And uh, I look forward to seeing you grow even more. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs>